Chapter 1, Part 4 of Commentary in the Gospel of John, Book 12, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Rev. Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 21, 1 through 6. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself on this wise. There were together Simon Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also come with thee. They went forth and entered into the boat, and that night they took nothing. But when day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, howbeit the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye aught to eat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and ye shall find. And they said, We toiled all night and took nothing, but at thy word we will cast down the net. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw in for the multitude of fishes. Our Lord Jesus Christ once more gladdens his disciples with the enjoyment of the sight of himself, whom they so greatly long to see, and vouchsafes unto them a third visit, in addition to the other two, in order that he might confirm their minds, and render them unchangeably steadfast in faith towards him. For how after they had seen him not once, but now for the third time, could they fail to have their minds released from all wavering in the faith, and to become faithful instructors of the rest of mankind in the doctrines of the religion of Christ. Peter then goes forth with the others a-fishing, for when he was bound on this errand they hurried with him, and doubtless our Saviour Christ is here seen working for their good. For he once said to them, when he put upon them the yoke of their discipleship, and called them to the dignity of apostleship, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. In order, then, that he might convince them by a palpable sign that every word that he had spoken would surely come to pass, and that his promise would result in complete fulfillment, he draws a convincing proof from the trade at which they were at work. For the blessed disciples were practicing their art, and were fishing but yet had they caught nothing, though they had toiled all the night. And when it was already early morning, and the dawn was beginning to break, and the sun's rays to appear, Jesus stood on the beach. And they knew not that it was Jesus. And when he questioned them whether they had any fish fit for the table in their nets, they said they had taken nothing at all. Then he bids them cast down the net on the right side of the boat. And they, although all the night they had spent their toil in vain, replied, At thy word we will cast down the net. And when this was done, the weight of the fish that were caught overpowered the strength of the fishermen who were hauling it up. Such is the narrative of the inspired evangelist. As we have just observed, the Saviour, by the actual performance of a palpable miracle, satisfied the holy disciples that they were destined to be, as he had said, fishers of men. 
Come, then, let us convert, so far as in us lies, that which was fulfilled in type into the truth of which it is symbolical, and let us bear witness to the truth of the Saviour's words, and, according to our ability, unfolding the meaning of everything that took place, let us put before those who may light on these pages what may serve in some measure, I think, to start a spiritual train of thought. For give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. I think, then, that the fact of the disciples fishing all the night, and taking nothing, but spending their labor in vain, signifies that no one, as we shall find, or very few, would be wholly won over by the teaching of the first instructors of old, and caught into their net to do God's pleasure in all things. We may regard what is very small in amount as equivalent to nothing, especially when it is taken out of a great multitude. And, surely, we must regard the number of mankind scattered throughout the whole world as exceedingly great. What hindrance, then, or obstacle, was there in the way which rendered the labor of the pioneers of the faith fruitless? And why did their preaching fail to bear fruit? There was still night and darkness, and a kind of mental mist and devilish deceit brooding over the eyes of the mind, not suffering men to perceive the true light of God. For there was no man that doeth good, as said the psalmist, yea, not one, but all had gone astray and become abominable. And though the Israelites had been, in a manner, caught in the net by Moses, yet were they as though they had not been caught at all, and were devoted to the worship of types and shadows, and had no instruction in the law that bringeth to perfection. For that we shall find that the worship of types was abominable, and displeasing to God, it is easy to see, from his rejection of bloody sacrifices, and every kind of earthly and physical offering. To what purpose, he says, bring ye to me incense from Sheba, and the sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifice is sweet unto me. This we say, not wishing to disparage the first commandment given of old, nor with the intent to accuse the law, but rather desiring to suggest to our hearers that as God the Lord of all hath regard only to the beauty of the gospel life, even those who were caught in the net by the law, and brought to the barren worship of shadows and types, were but on a par with those who had not been caught at all until the time of reformation dawned, Christ saying clearly, when he became man, I am the truth. And if it be necessary to add any further words, I shall not shrink from doing so, if it be for our profit. They who were called by Moses to learn the law, spurned the law given unto them, and, as it were, opened their mouth wide and gaped upon the holy ordinance, and made the precepts of men their code of instruction, and relapsed into such stubbornness and perversity of heart that even the word of the holy prophets lost its power. Therefore also they cried, Lord, who hath believed our report? Jeremiah also exclaims, 
Woe is me, my mother, that thou hast borne me a man of strife, and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have not helped any man, nor hath any man helped me. My strength hath failed me because of them that curse me. Surely, then, one is constrained to admit that the disobedient and unruly Israelites were on a par with those who had not been caught at all, when they trampled underfoot even the law that Moses had laid down. And it needs no demonstration to show that the great multitude of the Gentiles was still uncaptured, and remained altogether outside the net. Darkness, then, and devilish night was in their hearts, driving out the light of true knowledge of God. Therefore they toiled, so to say, during the whole night, and still had their spiritual net barren of fish before Christ's coming. But when early morning came, that is, when the mist of the devil was dispersed, and the true light dawned, that is, Christ, and when Christ inquired of the toilers, Have you anything within your nets which may serve as food for God, who thirsts, as it were, for the salvation of us all? for the scripture called the conversion of the Samaritans his food. And when they gave his question the plain answer that they had nothing, then Christ bade them cast down the net again on the right side of the boat. For the blessed Moses also let down the line of instruction, that is, by the letter of the law. But this was fishing on the left side, the commandment of Christ unto us being on the right for incomparably greater than, and far exceeding in honor and glory the commandments of the law, is the teaching of Christ. For the reality greatly surpasses the type, and the master the servant, and the grace of the Spirit, which justifies, surpasses the letter, which condemneth. Christ's teaching, therefore, is placed on the right, the right hand, signifying to us its superiority over the law and the prophets. The inspired disciples, then, without hesitation, obeyed the bidding of our Saviour, and let down the net. And the meaning of this is that they did not seize for themselves the grace of apostleship, but at his bidding went forth to capture the souls of men. Go ye, he said, and make disciples of all the nations. The disciples themselves say that at the word of Christ they let down the net, for they fish for men only by the Saviour's words and commandments in the Gospels. And great was the multitude of fish within the net, so that the disciples were no longer able to haul it up. For they who have been caught and believed are innumerable, and the marvel thereof seems in truth to surpass and be out of all proportion to the strength of the holy apostles. For it is the working of Christ, who gathereth by his own power the multitude of the saved into the church on earth, as into the net of the apostles. 7-14 through 14. That disciple therefore whom Jesus loved, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his coat about him, for he was naked, and cast himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about two hundred cubits off, 
dragging the net full of fishes. So when they got out upon the land, they see a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now taken. Simon Peter therefore went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, the net was not rent. Jesus saith unto them, Come and break your fast. And none of the disciples durst inquire of him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus cometh, and taketh the bread, and giveth them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to his disciples, after that he was risen from the dead. Again in this passage, the writer of this book calls himself the beloved disciple. And he would seem to have been thus well beloved on account of his great discernment and purity of mind, and the keenness of his mental vision, and a disposition which enabled him readily to grasp the truth. And, in fact, he seized the meaning of the sign before the rest, and perceived Christ's presence, and told the rest, entertaining not a shadow of doubt, but crying out to them with a very confident voice, It is the Lord. The inspired Peter leapt into the sea, thinking that to go by the ship would cause delay, for he was always fervent in zeal, and easily stirred up to confidence and love of Christ. The rest followed his lead, with the ship, dragging the net. Then they see a fire of coals, for the Saviour had kindled a fire miraculously, and put a fish upon it that he had caught by his ineffable power, and this too he had done of design. For it was not the hand of the holy apostles, or the preaching of these spiritual fishermen among men, but the power of the Saviour that started the work. For he first caught one as the firstfruits of those who were to come, not that we mean one precisely, for by one is signified a small number. Then afterwards the disciples caught the multitude in their nets, being enabled by his divine bidding to take something of what they sought. Peter then hauls up the net, which by it was to be understood that the labor of the holy apostles would not be without its effect for they put the mass of captured fish before him who had commanded them to be caught. And the quantity of the fish is indicated by the number 153. The number 100, to the best of my judgment, signifies the complement of the nations, for the number 100 is a very perfect number, being compounded of ten times ten. And for this reason our Lord Jesus Christ himself in one place, speaks in the parable of having one hundred sheep belonging to him, signifying the complete sum of rational creatures, and in another place declares that the best ground will bring forth a hundredfold, meaning thereby the perfect fertility of the righteous soul. The number fifty, on the other hand, betokens the elect remnant of the Israelites, saved by grace for fifty is half one hundred, and falls short of the perfect number in amount. And by the three, reference is made to the holy and consubstantial trinity, the number alone showing this. 
for to the glory and ceaseless praise of the trinity the life of those who have been taken captive through faith is consecrated and implies connection with the godhead for god is in all those who believe in him and keeps nigh unto him by means of sanctification those who have been won over by the teaching of the gospel and when the net had been drawn up our lord said again to the holy disciples come and break your fast thereby teaching them that after their pain and tribulation in gathering in those who were called and saved they should sit down with him as the saviour himself said and their table would be spread with food such as no tongue can name the spiritual that is and divine and that passeth man's understanding christ also wishes to imply that which is said by the psalmist thou shalt eat the fruit of the labours of thy hands they did not take food for themselves and eat thereof but christ gave to them of it that we might learn as in a type that on that day christ will himself provide us with divine blessings and apportion unto us those things which may be profitable to us as our lord End of chapter 1, part 4